Ladies and gentlemen, this picture contains scenes which under no circumstance should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Hey, welcome back to Caustic Content, the show where two dear friends browse the dregs of Amazon Prime streaming to find the absolute worst movie that's streaming on the internet. And as always, I'm joined with by Adam Myros. Hi, Steve. Hey, hey, buddy. How you doing? Going out partying, heading to bars, uh, spending a lot of time around your friends and family? It's it's a busy time, you know? You got to get out. Live life. It, That's what I say. Live life, yeah. What what disease? Never heard of it. Just, <laughs> just kind of bask in it. Bars are filthy anyways. Why not just embrace that fully? That's That's how I feel. Uh, exactly. Well, Myros, <laughs> we've got a, a couple of beautiful films to discuss today. But before we do, why don't you refresh our listeners on the rules for this particular podcast? All right, I'll run through these real quick. We do uh, try and go head to head on these uh, films, so we do have a few rules we restrict ourselves with. Uh, we're only allowed to use what streaming service provides us with. If there's a trailer, great. If there's not, tough fucking luck. Uh,. We try not to use any found footage films because they do get awfully redundant. We want to keep this a little fresh for you guys. Uh, we have what we call our Godfrey Hole Clause, which is to say, no repeat directors. We can only choose a filmmaker once, and then they are off the board. Unless we have some sort of special return engagement planned. Uh, and these cannot be films either of us have ever previously seen. They're going to be fresh for us, and hopefully then the content will be fresh for you guys. Uh, that is it. Other than that, it's it's a fair game. Anything is welcome to be and chosen. Anything is possible. Anything's possible. Which is why for this week you chose Manchester by the Sea. Ah yes. Ah yes. I was feeling a little uh, chipper, so I figured uh, we needed to bring it down a notch. Why not? Why not? Michelle Williams, psh, come on. Uh no, actually the the idea behind this particular episode is normally when we choose these movies. We sort of dig around and find just, you know, absolute trash that's shot on a minuscule budget, just barely skating by as a movie. Because, as we know, the rules on Amazon are basically if you upload it, there it is. Uh, Jeff Bezos has tried his best to remove some of our potential picks for this podcast. But still, uh, as far as streaming services go, you won't find a bigger pile of shit than you will on Amazon Prime. But for this podcast, we thought, you know, let's spread our wings a little bit. So we decided instead of the usual micro-budget, nobody's ever heard of it movies, we figured we would try to pick something that maybe someone has actually seen before or actually watched. And so our rule was we had to have at least one star in the movie, like an actor that someone has actually heard of. So, Myros, you actually chose a pretty new film, and not only does it have one name actor, but it's it's truly an all star cast. You chose Show Dogs. Could you could you tell us a little bit about Show Dogs? Uh, Show Dogs. It's a film made by uh, the Hollywood sex cabal to uh, indoctrinate our youth into uh, future sex slavery for the likes of Brian Singer. Um. This is proven by the fact that scenes were edited out of the final uh, release uh, cut of the film uh, in order to 
maintain its its family friendly facade. It, it is a film that is it is essentially miscongeniality. Like the, I don't think they changed the plot at all, except then instead of uh, women, they're dogs. Yeah, it's just I mean it's miscongeniality with like Beverly Hills Chihuahua grafted over it, and it's it's the same director as Beverly Hills Chihuahua, right? Yes, and, and the Scooby Doo films. He, uh, Raja Gosnell, he seems to be responsible for perhaps the five ugliest films ever released. <laughs> so he's he's got the the Scooby Doo movies. He's got the two Beverly Hills Chihuahua movies. This one, and then didn't he do Smurfs? The two Smurfs films as well. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> quite the uh, resume he's got going. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, it, it is. It is saying something when the, by far the fillet of his career is Big Mama's House. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great Martin Lawrence movie, possibly the best next only to Black Knight. If only uh, Big Mama were rendered in glorious fucking CGI, then we'd really be onto something. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a good place to start because, I mean, this was a theatrically released movie. It has yes, a real budget. Yes. It has real people in it. I mean, it's got uh, it's got Will Arnett. It's got Gabriel Iglesias. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, it's got Ludacris. In yeah, a Natasha Leone. Well, that was a strange. <laughs> yeah, strange Stanley discovery. Tucci. I hope Stanley Tucci's doing okay. If he really needs a paycheck, reach out, Stanley. It's tough times. We're we're all here for you. Uh, it's got Jordan Sparks, who's like a singer slash Disney person, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Alan Cumming. Uh, it's a pretty stacked cast. RuPaul makes a brief <laughs> cameo. Yeah, yeah. Did you say Shaq? Because it's definitely a oh, Shaq. Oh, yeah, Shaq. There's, there's Shaq, too. More Shaq than you would expect from a movie like this. But there, there Including he is. Including some, some fourth wall Shaq. Yeah. There's, I don't know what was going on of... with that particular fourth wall Shaq, but it happened. <laughs> All of a sudden, yeah. the dog is just like, I've won several championship rings and I'm in the Hall of Fame. I'm like, what? What the fuck? What's happening? Shaq's got major quaalude voice going the entire time. He's supposed to be playing this, like, hippie dog. And I so guess. his whole thing is just chill vibes. But it, but Shaq can't really do chill vibes. He just sounds like he's exhausted the entire time. Uh, just try to relax. <laughs> That's what I do. Relax. Uh. Thanks, Shaq. Great performance. Appreciate you. Uh, yeah, this is this is something. It, it's kind of difficult because we've actually done a children's dog movie before. You can go back in the archives and find our episode with the film Doggy B, if you're interested. Oh, I uh, thought you were talking about the other one, Love on a Leash. And I was like, does oh, that Love qualify a as a kid's movie? Do we do, we do, we do a lot of dog movies. That's kind of our Apparently. thing now. Might have to add a new rule. No more dog films after this fucking movie. Is this is uh, the only dog film with boy. the with the like uh, rubber band mouth thing going on, isn't it? Yeah, and and that's so, so. This is a movie with like we said, it's got a cast, it's got a budget, it's a real film released in real theaters. But boy, howdy, does it look like absolute dog shit? Uh, no yes, pun intended. Yes. The the CGI is not great. Uh, it's it's pretty rough for some of the animals, but what they do with the dogs is, and I'm guessing I haven't seen Beverly Hills Chihuahua, but I'm assuming it's the same. But they have actual dogs that they like paste moving CGI mouths onto, so it kind of looks like that 
that Quiznos commercial with the little animals that sing. It's just, it's really fucking weird, man. Or uh, I, I guess another reference would be, remember that guy that like remade Star Wars, but everybody was a thumb with a moving mouth? Kind of looks like that. It's not pleasant to look at. And on top of that, I was kind of confused. <laughs> Always good when a movie made for five-year-olds is confusing. Because it, it took me a good like 30 minutes before I could figure out like what role dogs play in society in this movie. Oh, like, I, I'm the same. I was the same way. I was like, can, can, are they like talking with the people? Because it seemed that way to start. I'm like, oh, they're talking. They're like, it's like some sort of a, a dual dominant society. Like the dogs and the people are conversing regularly. Yeah. It, it, but, and so the reason why it's confusing is because in the very beginning, uh, Ludacris the dog, uh, who from now on we could refer to as Lou Dog Chris, he... Like, he starts talking to Will Arnett. Yes. And Will Arnett seems like he's talking back to the dog. Right, absolutely. Like, they, they seem to have a full-on conversation. And then a little bit after that, we're in a police station, and it seems like the dog has free reign around the, the police station, and he's sent out on missions to do things. So it's like, okay, the dog can understand the people, and people can understand the dog. But then yes. Yes. as the movie progresses, we have several like lassie scenes wherein it's like, oh, Max the dog, what are you saying? Woof, woof, woof. How I don't know what you are saying to me. And it's like, wait, didn't we establish that you have conversation? I don't know what the fuck. What the fuck is happening? So the answer is the dogs can understand the people, but people can't understand the dogs. But despite this, people still have full conversations with their dogs. And not in a, oh, who's a good boy kind of way, but in a, like, you understand exactly what I'm saying kind of way. Yes, yes. I, uh, I, I, if, if you're going to have a, a society of this fashion, which I suppose is, is anchored in reality to some extent, where, you know, obviously we can't fucking understand dogs. But that being said, why can dogs understand humans then? Shouldn't the humans be, like, talking in gibberish when we're in the dog's perspective? You would know. think so. I, I don't know either. Uh, but basically the plot is someone stole a baby panda and they believe that this baby panda is being taken to a large dog show in Vegas wherein it will probably be sold to the highest bidder. So FBI agent Will Arnett and Lou Dog Chris join forces to try and find the baby panda and stop the bad guys. And that's, I, I guess, the simplest explanation? I, yeah, I guess. I don't really understand why any of that's happening, you know, but sure. I mean, wh why are they taking a panda to a dog show? For <laughs> And yeah, they, don't, are, they don't sell the panda ever. No, no. <laughs> well, and, and later we find out that they're kind of double dipping. Like, they go to the dog show to have, like, this illegal backroom auction for this baby panda because you have to do that at a dog show. But also, we find out that they want to steal a prize dog. So that's the other part of the scheme. So it's kind of a two-for-one for them, I guess, sort of. Well, uh, apparently and, and a three-for-one. There's also a tiger involved at some point. I don't know. <laughs> there, there is a tiger. There is a tiger. 
And yeah, I, I don't know. And then Will Arnett has to put Lou Dog Chris in the dog show because that's a thing that needs to happen. They can't just do an investigation. He has to like be in the dog show. So Which- then hijinks ensue because guess what? The ludicrous dog is a street dog and he doesn't know how to be a, a fun, pretty dog. Yeah, he's Miss Congeniality. Mm-hmm. But this gets muddied a little further when they introduce the Stanley Tucci dog because as part of their team, they now have this uh, pedigreed former champion dog. Why wouldn't they just put that dog into the damn competition? You would think. I, I don't know is the answer. But oh. Tucci has to, has to train the ludicrous dog instead of just entering himself. For unknown reasons, even though he's a champion dog, so uh, I, yeah, yeah, it uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And you know, it is a kids movie. We could cut it a little slack on that front, but I don't know. I I was a kid once, and you know, back in my day, when they made a dog movie, they killed like forty five cats and and gave us Milo and Otis, and it was perfectly fine. And it did look like some spaghetti noodle nightmare. <laughs> I wish to get back to killing cats and making real cinema. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day. Uh, yeah, I this this is a rough one. Um, I actually, I I am not a child. I don't know if you know that. Um, I I am an adult man. So I thought, well, it's a kids movie, and I thought this fucking sucked. It's just kind of like a bog standard shitty kids movie. But maybe, just maybe, the children of the world. Enjoy this film. So I figured that would factor into how I end up voting on this episode. And it turns out that after reaching out to some parents and asking the strange question of, you ever see this dog movie? I got to talk about it on a podcast and then kind of explain. It was was a nightmare to really go through that process. But the answer is yes, and kids seem to like it. But every adult parent was just like, I couldn't fucking watch that. I left the room. So... (laughs) Kids love it because dogs are talking and that's fun. And Gabriel Iglesias is a pug and he falls into a big bowl of icing. And who doesn't love that when the fluffy guy falls in the icing? Is that it's even great. a joke? What is that? There's it's no... a, more of a sight gag, I guess. I don't Why know. is there a bowl of icing? <laughs> I also don't understand that. They're at a party and there's just a bowl of icing. Yes. Classic party move. Serves no purpose other than for a pug to stand at it and go... I'm standing in a bowl of icing. The yeah, end. see, that's fun. That's fun. that's the fucking joke. That's the level of jokes you're getting in this thing. Again, we've all been kids. I could I could boot up any thousands of children's movies that would at least have some modicum of of writing, of effort, of of anything. There there would be a, at least a joke or two where I'd go. This has nothing. It's no. just it's just there. You know, it just passes you by. Some real esoteric references, too. And this is another thing where it's just like, oh, well, kids' movies have to have jokes for adults. Like, no, they don't. And what they no. especially don't need is weird references for adults that don't mean anything. So you mentioned when the Shack dog breaks the fourth wall and is like, oh, Shaq. <laughs> and then there's another scene, too, where the, the tiger comes into play. Because, again, there's, there's just a tiger. There's just... For no real reason at all. It doesn't add anything. And uh, the ludicrous dog goes, oh, it's a real life of pie situation, which 
now we're getting really into it because what you kind of like a, a best picture nomination from four years ago. That's that's your reference. See, how many? <laughs> I feel like you're giving this reference even a little more credence than it deserves because what it is. I just watched this very recently, unfortunately. Um, is It is in like the, the epilogue of the film. It has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. For no reason, this tiger is just loose in Las Vegas uh, on its own. It, it doesn't have any bearing on the plot whatsoever. It's just, it's on its own roaming around Las Vegas. And it's on this fucking zip line. That the dogs were on earlier for God knows why. Again, what is this society? Why are the dogs on zip lines in Las Vegas? You're is in that, Vegas. You got a you got a zip line down Fremont Street. That's an activity that people do. They have it set up for for animals because these animals don't have a different <laughs> status in this world than animals do in our world. So no, I, I would assume they would be barred from zip lining. You would think, but anyway, this this tiger is on its own. The plot is over. The movie is is at its conclusion, and the tiger is just zipping down a zip line and he goes now that's what i call a life of pie that's that's not a reference to the movie other than there's a tiger in the fucking movie. <laughs> well listen if, if if you were running the zip line on fremont street and a tiger rolled up and growled at you wouldn't you just let him climb into the zip line and do his thing i suppose i would yeah i mean i don't know uh, if i'd have a, a harness appropriate for this animal but Oh, listen, this is a very rich cinematic text because <laughs> the, the final fist fight is also an homage to Raiders of the Lost Ark. So we've got that going. There's like an airplane just spinning around in circles inside of a hangar while these guys have a fist fight. Well, there was so there was uh, cool. <laughs> there was one other uh, very esoteric uh, reference in this film that you might have missed because it was cut for uh, for the purposes of. Encouraging child grooming, apparently, <laughs> uh, where uh, the dog's penis is fondled and it, it cuts to a reference to the uh, dirty dancing finale. <laughs> <laughs> what does he just say? Like, I, I had the time of my life having my it just busts in like a, one tickled. of those. It was one of those like 10 second uh, music montage type things these movies like to throw in there. So, yeah, he just like. You know, he gets past the, the penis fondling and then it just goes like, I had the time of my life. And someone's like spinning him around or something. I don't fucking know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a big girls don't cry montage. You got to have that in your kids movie. That was in there as well. And there there was no girls on the screen, mind you. It was it was just like Will Arnett and a big male Rottweiler. And I, I don't know if it was supposed to be irony or what, but it really just didn't work. Didn't make didn't any sense for you. That's too bad. That's too bad. Yeah, we should probably talk a little bit about what happened to this movie. So I didn't know this until I started to do some some research for the podcast. But apparently, this came out in theaters and it was out for about two weeks. And then some like mommy blogger in 2019 who knew that that existed, uh, she wrote a blog post about how the scene where the judge inspecting the dog's dick was a reference to child grooming because the apparently the judge looks at the dog's dick and the dog goes, ah, don't look at my dick. And then the shack dog goes, just relax. It'll be over soon. <laughs> Essentially, 
I mean, I'm going to run with this grooming angle because it serves my, my purposes in this competition, but really it's a fucking ridiculous thing to get upset about it. It's like this sort of bullshit, like dad has to get a prostate exam and they like zoom in on the rubber gloves snapping in like a sitcom or something. It, it could just as Uh-oh. well be like accompanied by like a Tim Allen, like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the level of what we're talking about here. I, I don't know how that turned into like a, a big federal case about molestation or something where they removed yeah. this film from theaters, re-edited it, and put it back without the two scenes that reference this. So I, I guess the idea is is that filthy like Epstein molesters fondle children and then tell them to relax and it will be over soon, therefore grooming them for future diddling. But the part that I don't understand is, one, I'm pretty sure this happens at dog shows, only yes, because yeah, sure. I've, I've seen Best in Show and Caustic Content Film Doggy B, so <laughs> I, I kind of know how these dog show things go. Uh, also, I've, I've seen the... the was it the Westminster dog show that they, they air on USA every year and interrupt my professional wrestling watching. So I'm pretty sure that's just the thing that happens at dog shows. But the other part is, it's like, okay, well, let's say that it could still be taken out of context, ergo, it will teach children a bad lesson. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Shack dog, the entire time when he's like, Oh, just chill, man. Just don't just chill. Yeah. This whole like hippie dog thing that he's doing, it makes him shitty. Like the whole idea behind his character is he's so chill that it backfires. Like he's chill and he doesn't realize that his master is a complete asshole and a thief, right? Like he doesn't yes, he yes. doesn't realize that that he's part of this plot, this terrible plot because he's too relaxed and aloof. So Every time he gives our hero dog advice, it's always bad. It's never, it's never something that he should heed. So why would this situation be any different? It seems like anything coming out of Shaq's mouth, you should automatically say, no, this is bad. He's a bad dog. Bad dog. Hit him with the newspaper on the nose. Uh, yeah, Shaq is enabling this, uh, this animal trafficking, much like, you know, us as audience members and uh, all the participants in Hollywood have been enabling the sexual abuse of children for years. <laughs> Shaq's just part of the machine. He is. But yeah, this, this actually got yanked out of theaters and uh, Vanity Fair wrote a little article about it where they said, <clears throat> you know, that this mommy blogger, blah, blah, blah. And so the production company came back and said, Quote, it has come to our attention that there have been online discussions and concerns about a particular scene in Show Dogs, a family comedy that is rated PG. The dog show judging in this film is depicted completely accurately as done at shows around the world and was performed by professional and highly respected dog show judges, which, side note, can you believe they actually cast real dog show (laughs) judges as the dog show judges? That's insane. Why? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Global Road Entertainment and the filmmakers are saddened and apologize to any parent who feels the scene sends a message other than a comedic moment in the film with no hidden or ulterior motive, but respect their right to react to any piece of content. Great. Wonderful. Uh, And then the mommy blogger was quoted saying, during the movie, I kept thinking, this is wrong. It doesn't need to be in a kid's movie. Everything else in the movie is good fun except for this, she wrote. 
Uh, no. Uh, that's that's where she's wrong. There's no good fun to be had here, as far as I'm concerned. But I'm going to uh, write a yeah. mommy blog. It says, hey, moms across America, don't let your fucking children watch this brain rot. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's pretty pretty rough around the edges. Um, like fucking nothing in this is good fun. Do you know what good fun is? <laughs> I got I got no clue. Um, so not a lot of jokes. Not a lot of good way, stuff going here. <laughs> if they're if they're claiming complete accuracy in dog show judging, I, you know I'd be more inclined to watch a dog show if it had an athletic component, which it does not fucking have. There's no like NFL combine for the show dogs. Yeah. No, I, I don't know what any of that is. All the fucking flippy doing around and it. Yeah, it, it doesn't see. It seems like they're talking out their ass with this one. I, I don't get it. I really don't. On the other hand, though, while the CGI does look like dog shit. Yes. Um, it, it is a real movie. It's got real people doing real things. There's, you know, things are in focus. It's lit properly. Uh, I mean, and while the CGI maybe isn't up to snuff with uh, the modern standard, we it, it's better looking than ninety five percent of the things we've watched for this show, right? I, uh, what is better? I mean, it, it, it's more expensive. They had the proper equipment to uh, film things, sure. <laughs> It's a low bar. Mind you, in your intro to this very episode, you did say that our goal was to to perhaps pick, choose a movie that someone may have possibly seen and uh, not something that was filmed for uh, $0 that no human would ever watch. And then you proceeded to, to, in fact, choose that exact sort of movie once again. Well, you know, maybe this is a good transition because I chose a film that has a uh, a mega star in it. A star yeah. that, that no one who has ever watched a real Hollywood film has ever seen in anything. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. Are you are you familiar with Martin Sheen? Are you familiar oh. with Charlie Sheen? Are you familiar with Emilio Estevez? I'm familiar with Martin Sheen, not his fucking fat drunk stunt double. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the movie that I chose stars master thespian and respected professional actor, SAG member. <laughs> Joe Estevez. <laughs> also a man whose as... credits include Return of the Rollerblade 7 and Soul Dick. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. That's right. Real movies. Real real stuff. He's he's got he's got the uh he's got the IMDB page, man. He's he's got those credits. He's real. He's real. <laughs> he's, he's and if you real. look at him if you look at him at Squint, he looks just like Martin Sheet. He does. He's just Martin Sheet after a, a few rough years. <laughs> just a few rough decades <laughs> this is the best i've seen him look in a long time though like he he looked really bad in the 90s i think you know got got into the 2000s he started to clean up his act a little bit which i makes know sense he, he he's has probably like so 87 much, he has so much life in this i'm, I'm used to seeing joe estevez movies where he's totally not on a set with anyone else he's just sitting alone in a room mumbling nonsense yeah and purple usually yes. purple oh yeah <laughs> This is, this is the, he's the best good. he's ever been. <laughs> yeah, this this could legitimately, if you weren't paying attention, this could legitimately be like Martin Sheen super slumming it. Like this is not that much different from like Martin Sheen in Spawn or something. Yeah. Like, eh, this is that level of, of engagement and performance. Yeah. So the movie that I chose 
is The Iron Soldier, starring Master Thespian Joe Estevez, who everybody knows and everybody loves. Ah, uh, yes. And <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, oh boy, this is a movie. So the, the, the plot of this one is there's a super secret military robot and some terrorists come in to steal the military robot and it's up to one man to abandon his family and save the day. Now that sounds like a real action-packed romp, doesn't it, Myros? Yes, and boy does it deliver. But does it ever. If, you're, if your definition of action is people standing in a room talking to each other for 90 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> this is a, a big old pile of nothing's fucking happening. Um, and then when things do happen, you kind of wish that they weren't. Uh, the the army people are just guys in t-shirts and camouflage pants so that's great you love to see it and they're carrying around toy guns and when I say toy guns I'm like this is they, they went to Toys R Us and bought Nerf guns and spray painted them black there's there's no real I don't know if they're, to divide I don't it. know if they're Nerf I feel like they're more of those guns where you like pull the trigger and it goes like pew 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 like that that's the sort of thing we're talking well, about. It's got like a laser, laser sound gun. Effect, <laughs> it's got a full laser sound effect coming out of the gun. They had to yeah. disable. They had to take the battery out of the thing. <laughs> that noise not to ruin their film. <laughs> they did. Oh yeah, they did. So the soldiers look great. And you want to talk about great? Let's let's talk about the titular Iron Soldier himself. It's who, looking great. It's looking pretty good. It looks like if if you Came in eighth place at the Milwaukee Comic Con convention for your Gundam cosplay. <laughs> you might look like the Iron Soldier. <laughs> it's just, it's like a plastic head and like a, a plastic top piece and then kind of like spandex bottoms with boots. Uh, but the, the spandex bottoms, I, I think whoever they got to wear this costume, I don't think it was originally made for this person. So... The, the the crotch is a little bit droopy and you can just see this guy's dick kind of like poking out. And thank God it was made in 2010 on the world's shittiest like flip phone because if this was in high definition, there'd be just endless penis outline. Like it would just be penis outline the movie. So uh, yeah, it looks like absolute hell. It does my favorite thing that a lot of caustic content movies do, which is, uh, for some reason, every scene is completely like blown out, uh, where the white balance is off, but also too dark at the same time. Like they can't find an in the middle spot. It's like if if there's any sunlight showing, you can't see a damn thing, and then anything that's not indirect sunlight is just pitch black. So it's it's awesome. It's your grandfather trying to use a digital camera for the first time, and he doesn't know how to play with the settings. So. Yeah, it's real rough to look at. It's, it's not a lot that happens in it. And you want to talk about a nonsense story. I thought that Show Dogs was going to take the cake in that department, but my God, it, this movie is amazing because they don't have the budget or the brains to show any amount of action for a consistent period of time. So they have all this talking to fill screen time. So they fill that screen time with this dialogue that just continuously adds useless plot points that never go anywhere. 
So they're like, well, how do we, how do we stop the robot? Uh, well, it's, uh, it's linked to my DNA. I'm the only one who can stop it because it has to be controlled by my brain wavelengths. Uh, okay. So why don't, why don't you just go and, and, you know, use your DNA powers to do this? It's like, well, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Actually, at some point, my son, who has different DNA than me, is going to be able to control the robot, and that's just something you're going to have to deal with. Or then they're like, well, what are we going to do? We can't stop him, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, I forgot. I have my garage door opener, which is for real, <laughs> a fucking garage door opener. And he's like, this is the super secret kill switch, which I did not mention earlier when I was talking about the DNA controller. And if I hit this button, it'll stop the robot. Well, why don't you just hit the button? Ah, I'm Joe Estevez. Uh, well, if I have to, I have to hit the button. I have to be within... You know, uh, five feet of the robot. I have to, I have to be, you know, have a visual on him and blah 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 and all this clear line of sight. Okay, so then they develop this whole story part to to bring him to where the terrorists are, so they can sneak up on him and hit the button. But then he doesn't hit the button when he's two feet away from the fucking robot. And then the the terrorists get into a helicopter with the robot, and the robot flies away. The man with the garage door opener chases them in his minivan while they're yes. in a fucking helicopter. And then he hits the button. Which crashes the helicopter for some reason? Which crashes the helicopter. Yes, that's what also, the button does. It crashes the helicopter. And then it also and he, has another function later in the film where it fries the bad guy's brain with the neural device that the bad guy had made. It expressed no intention of using the neural device himself. He said he was going to have the man use it, and then just inexplicably puts it on and goes, Robot, I am your master now, and then gets his brain burned out by the garage door opener, which none of, yeah. none of this is explained as no, a function of any of these devices. <laughs> so the, the amazing part of all of this is the only thing that we're told is you have to get up close to the robot, and when you hit your garage door opener, it will kill the robot. Like, just totally shut it down. It won't be usable. Great. Yes. And that's the only thing that it doesn't do. It seems to do yes. everything else. Correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Twice they, None they of that press is the button. It, it does not shut the robot off at all. No. Ever. It does not. Ever. You might not think, oh, maybe point. it has multiple functions. No, it just has one orange button. That's it. It's <laughs> <laughs> just fucking insane. <laughs> and then there's also uh, another thing I couldn't get around. I think they were trying to you know, really round out these terrorist characters. So there's some like schlubby dude who looks like a, a bouncer for a from a dive bar in like South Jersey. I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about this like hot topic looking fellow. He's a, he's a yeah. customer of hot topic at the age of 40 for no reason. Yeah, he's a great looking dude. Yeah. So there's him. There's the main terrorist. There's a couple of like just terrorists that don't have any speaking parts. And then there's this woman terrorist. Yeah. And I. Help me with this. She's a terrorist, correct? She is. A, she is the inside man. She's a traitor to the the Iron Soldier program because she's at the very first scene in the movie, leaving the base and saying goodbye to our mm -hmm. our handsome hero, and then she so, immediately comes back with the terrorists and wreaks havoc. So she she's a former soldier who decided to switch sides and become a terrorist. Well, I don't know that she's a soldier. She could be part of the uh, private the civilian uh, corps. Yeah, the 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 scientists who are working on this project. I don't know. But we give her a machine gun. That's possible. Maybe <laughs> she's a soldier. I don't know. 
Oh, yeah. Well, it's, not, it's not explained. We can only speculate. But she is, like, disgusted with the shooting and the murder that the terrorists do. So she's a terrorist who is overwhelmed by the idea of terrorism. And when the terrorists go to the base and start shooting people, like she knew that they would, she's like, ah, like vomits, can't handle it. Right? But she doesn't do anything to help anyone. She just seems like vaguely upset by the idea of terrorism, despite betraying her country and being a terrorist. This is this is true. I mean, sometimes in the abstract, the concept uh, seems more reasonable. You know, they're like, oh, ten million dollars to do this. You're like, okay, yeah, sure. And then you get in there, and you people are getting gunned down in front of you. You're like, oh boy, I didn't realize. I mean, for me personally, you could offer me ten million dollars to be a terrorist, but I would probably turn it down because I don't think I'd be very good at terrorism. You know, what What real value would I add to this? How could I even trust these terrorists to pay me my money? I don't think that I could. Well, you shouldn't. Is that, it, it seems as if Hardcastle had designs on killing her to begin with. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a reason that Al-Qaeda isn't recruiting me, as far <laughs> as I could tell. Uh, I, I'm, just, I'm just not up to snuff. I don't, I don't got what it takes. No. I don't think she has what it takes either. And there's, again, there's, there's no reason for her, like, they, they could have, if they needed to get into the base, which is just a, like a parking lot in back of a fucking Costco or something, she probably could have just like, you know, swiped a key card, let him in, and then fucked off. Like, why does she have to pick up a gun and follow them around and do this whole song and dance terrorism shit? Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, no, the key card would have been sufficient, I'd say. And considering the, the big reveal of this movie, then why did they need an inside man to begin with? The whole thing was the inside man, you know? It was, that, it was an inside that, that job to begin with. We, that we need to address because, my God. <laughs> nonsense, this. The, the ending is absolute <laughs> fucking nonsense. So, spoiler alert, not that you should fucking watch this because it's goddamn abysmal. I, so, it turns out, at the end, they fry the brain of the, of the main terrorist because he wears the... the the DNA goggles to control the Iron Soldier, and then they press the garage door opener. And then everything is, oh, yay, hugs and kisses, and everybody comes back, oh, there's the Asian scientist that we saw for five minutes, everyone's fine. Yeah, I mean, except for the people that got shot and killed, but, uh, and, and then a soldier shows up and tells one of the other, like, officer people, he's like, oh, sir, we need to talk about something. It's important. And then, Smash cut to the military base, which seems to be a hospital somewhere. <laughs> they did not do a good job of disguising. It's clearly in the same building that the lab was in and a bunch of other shit. It's, it's one hospital building. But anyways, it is revealed that Joe Estevez was behind it the entire time. Which again, raises more questions. Why was Joe Estevez so adamant about trying to stop the terrorist attack? And why was he working so hard to, to get the Iron Soldier back when, in fact, they were bringing him the Iron Soldier? Two, he says in his evil, like, reveal speech that he was just trying to get control of the Iron Soldier because he didn't want civilians working on the project, blah, blah, blah. You work for the fucking military. You yes. do whatever the fuck you want. The Iron Soldier is fucking yours. Yes. Just yes. take it. It's Absolutely. yours. Do whatever the fuck you want with it. Correct. Why? What? Is- <laughs> I have no How idea. 
It's maddening. Because this entire, I mean, if it had a simpler story, it wouldn't be a good movie, but at least it would be fucking functional. But all it does is just needlessly complicates itself. It's like, it's it's setting a series of rakes on the ground and then meticulously making sure they step on each one so it smacks them in the face. Yeah, it's, I mean... no reason for this movie to be this fucking stupid. Right, at its core, it's just, you know, it's like a zero budget... I mean, I guess it seems to take most of its influence from... Obviously, there's a shitload of Predator in here for no reason. Yeah. Uh... All the all the outside uh, stuff with the Iron Soldier is just nonsense Predator stuff, except they obviously can't show the Iron Soldier doing anything. So it's just like really shitty, like heat vision and a laser pointer on people's chests. And that's it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they also have that soldier who's on the loose and they try and briefly to, to uh, make it seem like it's going to be sort of a diehard like plot. But Really, what this most reminds me of, I suppose, is like The Rock, something like that, where there's just these, or Broken Arrow, one of these like sort of 90s movies where there's a disgruntled military guy trying to get his hands on the ultimate weapon. But yeah, it has. But he has the ultimate weapon already. Right. No, I'm talking, let's prevent, let's just pretend for this uh, summation here that the the villain is Hardcastle. You know, Hardcastle is Ed Harris or whatever. (laughs) Okay. Um, Hardcastle's the main terrorist. If you're following along, yes. So, shouts out, shout outs to Hardcastle. By the way, I always like to point out a person who is not an actor, has nine credits, did nothing on earth that anyone has ever seen, and is is decent. He's got some screen presence. He doesn't yeah. suck. In this movie, he stands out as next to Joe Estevez as like the only people who should ever be on a screen at any point in history. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if you just Let's pretend that he is acting of his own volition here. And the plot very much reads like a stripped down zero budget rock type thing where it's just, you know, a militia storms a base, tries to obtain this weapon to get their revenge on blah, 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 get paid, get out of society. The end. And that's all it needs to be. All this other stuff is just nonsense. <laughs> like yeah, it's got it this whole subplot with the inventor of the Iron Soldier, like, trying to go on a camping trip. It's just, like, the most fucking grating shit. Oh, God. That is, I mean, if you were to pull one thing out of either of these movies that was just the worst shit that I had to sit through, it was all these these family scenes where they try to flesh out the character of, of the Iron Soldier scientist man. Is holy fuck. He is completely insufferable. He's a total fucking prick. Yes. And... They try to humanize him, but they just make him look like more of a prick. Yes. And the whole thing is, oh, he doesn't have time to spend time with his kid, and his kid's upset. Well, his kid's a little shit. Yes. So I, I think I think the best example is his kid is, like, sitting on the back porch playing Nintendo DS, and they're supposed to go somewhere and do something. And old dad comes up, and this guy, he's a, he's got no acting skills. He looks like shit. He's just, like, sweating through like a fucking polo from like Marshalls or something like one of those things where you find it it's just on the floor like below the rack and it's 80% off and you're like ah why not it's two sizes too big but sure and he's got like a, a Neil Breen look about him and yeah he's one of those like all over the fucking place weird adults who weighs like 95 pounds <laughs> yeah it's like oh, oh yeah I don't like to look at yeah. you Fred feed him a fucking sandwich but he, he's just like hey son 
you ready to go on a trip? I gotta, I gotta stop by work real quick. And his, his son's not talking to him. He's just fucking playing Mario or whatever. And he's just like, hey, you little fuck. And he just like grabs the DS. Is like, is a total dick to him. It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, your kid's an asshole. I wonder why. Look at, look at his influence here. Come on. It's fucking terrible. My, my favorite part though is, oh, well, his wife is insufferable. She's got like the biggest eye roll line in the entire movie. Uh, again, possibly of, of everything we watch, where at the end, uh, one of the scientists is like, yeah, they had us locked in a room and there was no oxygen, but I figured out how to get out. And now we're here and we're safe. One, thanks for showing us that. That might have been fun to watch, but I guess you could just tell us that instead. And then two, after that scientist says it, the wife who has never interacted with her before, she goes, yeah, you go, girl. <laughs> That's the lie to the exact delivery. What the fuck? But so at at the very, very end, because the movie itself pretty much it wraps up the plot about an hour in and then they say they surface up like 20 minutes of bullshit. And the last thing they show us is the family finally gets to go on their camping trip. And the dad shows up and he's like, he's like, oh, son, you ready to go fishing? They didn't change the dad character into new clothes. There's even like a thing. It's like one week later, dad's still sweating through his fucking polo wearing the exact same outfit. Hasn't changed a fucking thing. Good God. That kid fucking piloted the Iron Soldier too. It's like, Jesus. He's like, whoa, radical dude. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. The terrorist says something to him. He's like, I'm going to shoot you, kid. And the kid, instead of shooting the kid, the kid's just like, why don't you make your mouth shut? And the Iron Soldier like grabs the guy by the neck slowly. And he's like, ah! <laughs> Again, not shooting anyone. Fuck me. Oh my God. It just, just utterly failing at every single turn. Just possibly stupid. Possibly boring. I don't know. I mean, it's the sort of movie I have like some vague affinity for. It's just... You know, when we lived in California, we met this guy, uh, Mike, who was uh, <laughs> trying in vain to sell a script to David Hefner. <laughs> and we gave the guy some notes on his thing, but he was obviously too invested to listen to anything, you know, any feedback. It was, it was his baby. It was exactly how he wanted it to be. And I figure... If this guy ever managed to make his movie, it would be Iron Soldier. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, this is, I don't know. Maybe maybe we found the Canadian Neil Breen. That's, that's the only thing I could think of because, uh, God, the accents in this are insane, too. I guess he's from Ottawa, but it's got a real, like, weird backwoods Manitoba vibe going. Like, the accents are thick as fuck. And the the main terrorist guy, what's his name? Hard, what's his Hardcastle. Uh, Hardcastle. I I don't know what he's doing either because he sounds like he's like Irish Canadian. <laughs> There's something lyrical to his weird Canuck voice, but yeah, whew. he's got. I I like this guy. He's got like he he's got like that fucking four packs of smokes a day uh, thing going on. But yeah, he does have that yeah. sort of like glint in his eye. The Irish. Uh, Glint, and I don't know. It's something about him. He's got a presence, but uh, yeah, he's not even no. a real actor, so I don't know. No. Wasted in this thing. No. <laughs> Absolutely wasted, yeah. And, and Joe Estevez, I, I, he does an incredible job for Joe Estevez, but also that bar is very low. 
And yes. he really doesn't have to do much. I'm pretty sure he has like, he probably filmed for like two hours for this movie. I can't imagine doing anything more than that. It's just, it's, it's basically like four monologues and that's about it. Uh, but he's fine. He doesn't look like he's dying. So yeah, yeah. that's good. And that's, that's what you could say about the Iron Soldier. Joe Estevez. He looks alive. Hard castle. Good job, buddy. Maybe you should have pursued this stuff a little harder. You know, should have been casting some more stuff. I feel bad for you. Yeah, I feel like he could be like a henchman in, in like a real Hollywood movie, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm mean, like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he missed his yeah. calling in the like '90s action movies. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, now we come to the point of the show where we have to kind of determine what these movies are. So, I guess let's let's do our standard rating of atrocity or curiosity for these films. And for me, oh, Jesus, I, I I don't know. I mean, Iron Soldier, 100% atrocity. It's it's not good. Even if you're a real Joe Estevez head, there's no reason to visit this. It, it doesn't really do anything for anyone. It's not the worst thing Joe Estevez has ever made. Maybe well, that's it's the problem, the best, right? But, <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. The problem if, is, if, it was, <laughs> if you're a Joe Estevez head, you want a worse movie than this. This is just... Both of these movies to me, they're just fucking there. Like not neither one yeah. is doing anything interesting in a good way or a bad way. They're just they just pass you by. Yeah. It's and that's the thing. Yeah, it's it's bad, it's uninteresting. There's no entertainment, intentional or otherwise, to be gleaned from it. It's just it's nothing. It's just a piece of shit. Uh then we get over to show dogs, and I'm a little conflicted. Because it fucking sucks. But also, there's some curiosity here because I think the story behind the movie itself is amazing. The fact that they ripped it out of theaters and re-edited it and then it tanked and there was this whole controversy like, uh, you know, these <laughs> Will Arnett showed up on the Epstein flight logs or something. <laughs> Which, by the way, I did a lot of research to try to find either a Weinstein or an Epstein connection or a Brian Singer connection to someone involved in this movie. Had I found that, I, w- I would have gone hard on the on the show dogs train for for the winner today. Um, but as it stands, it's a kids movie. It's not good. But if you're five, you, you probably like this shit. You know, so it's it's fine for children, and that's it. So. I'm going to have to give it an atrocity rating as well, but it's it's hard for me to kind of really decide which one's worse. Where are you sitting here, Myros? I'm in the same boat. I, I feel like these are kind of on a similar level for me where they're just like not interesting. Like we did not pick a couple of winners here for, for this project. You know, I, I, I expect to sit through things that are going to bore the shit out of me, but you're you're hoping for something that something just unbelievable to happen during the course of one of the two films in this project, but nothing happened during either of these. It, it did. They just exist. I, if you're curious about uh, Hollywood sex cabals, I'm sure there's better ways to go about learning about them than to watch this, this fucking talking dog movie. Uh, if you're curious about Joe Estevez, well, you know, Go watch Roller Gator or Rollerblade 7 or something because they're fucking way more bizarre and batshit than Iron Soldier. 
And any of his roller movies are a good, good place to start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, no, I, I, I think I'd have to call both of these atrocities as well. I, I don't... I, I, I'd have a, lot, a, lot, a really hard time deciding which one I prefer over the other. I have a... I am not well, a child. Me... I don't know. You know, I feel like children who would get enjoyment out of sitting in front of show dogs, you could probably put any goddamn thing on the television, including fucking Iron Soldier. They get some joy out of watching that <laughs> stupid Gundam stomp around because they're just brainless idiots. Yeah, that's true. Well, but let me let me give you my sell on why you should vote Iron Soldier. This is show dogs is a movie that sucks big ass. But it's for someone. It's got something. And if if we if we go to the reviews, because I'm curious how people are, are consuming these things and how they're reacting to it. If you scroll through the reviews of show dogs on Amazon, aside from the people pointing out the sex cabals and stuff, there's a lot of four and five star reviews. You know, it's a fun movie. I like dogs. It's cute. It's so funny. My kids loved it. It's a lot of that. A lot of that. 64% of the 203 people who reviewed this gave it five stars. It's got a 4.1 out of five on Amazon. You can't argue that this movie has brought someone enjoyment. Now, if you go over to Iron Soldier, things are a little bit different. (laughs) It's got three reviews. (laughs) Not a lot of reviews, but let me read you one of the few positive reviews that it has uh, from our good friend on Amazon, Martin H. Zachary. Gotta love a guy with two first names. Three stars. Title of the review. Three stars. (laughs) You ready for this review? Uh, It was in English. That's that's the review. (laughs) He gave it three stars. The title of the review is three stars. And all I wrote was it was in English. Which if you're talking about the things that this movie does well, it is in fact in English. uh, With some fun Canadian accents, I guess. Uh, But it's... There's no one. I can't recommend this to any single person. I can't think of someone who I'd be like, yeah, oh, Iron Soldier, it's fun. Oh, Iron Soldier, it's really bad. Oh, it's really good. You can, there's nothing you could say about it. It sucks ass and it exists. It doesn't make a lick of fucking sense. And it looks like shit. Okay, okay. But, so my point would be, would you recommend show dogs to anyone? I mean, the, the very audience who this movie is made for were they forced them to re-edit the film because it had content deemed inappropriate for the only audience that could possibly get any joy out of this film. Yeah. I I don't well, know. The, I, I just... I, I would recommend... Okay, here's the scenario for show dogs. You're locked in a room with a five-year-old and a Roku and a TV. Okay? No, you for don't. For some dude. reason... <laughs> and you only have access to one movie? Or... <laughs> You got access to show dogs. It's going to keep that little shit entertained. I can't. Can you imagine a situation where you could get anyone to sit through Iron Soldier? I, I cannot. I cannot. I can. I think there's kids. I think the same kids. You sh- you're, showing the, you're showing this violence to five-year-olds, Barros? You're a monster. What the hell you're violence is in my- this movie? All the fucking <laughs> muscle, computer muscle flashes. Yeah, what about that helicopter crash? It's it's pretty uh, pretty scary stuff. A guy gets shot in the head. They don't show it, but he gets a gun to his head, and there's a, a canned gunshot sound effect that he falls over. So If I consider the violence. amount of like uh, fucking 
like Godzilla films or shit like that, or, you know, Power Rangers that appeals to kids that just has like vague uh, men in weird suits for like uh, one five percent of a given runtime of the thing that entertain children for some reason. This fits that bill. I mean, I'm Myros. Maybe a child would find some enjoyment out of Iron Soldier. I don't know. I, I tend to think they won't, but I'm speaking for the Christian right today. Okay. And if there's one thing we know about fundamentalist Christians, it's they hate violence, but they're totally cool with sex crimes. So why not? Why not choose show dogs? Steve, it seems to me we've once again reached an impasse, and this is this has become a common <laughs> refrain on this show. And that that is we're going to have to bring in a third man. That is a Who's problem. The third man. We need a third man. We we can't keep up with this tie bullshit because we're both too stubborn yeah. to vote for each other. <laughs> we got to get a third man on this show because this has to end. <laughs> it has to end. We're 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 at an impasse. We've the, the diarrhea is too close to call. We need we need an impartial judge. Well, maybe we'll bring them in next week, but yeah, I guess we're gonna have to call this what a tie, unfortunately. Uh, despite my, you know, passionate defense. I don't know. The, uh, Did you see that last right? scene of of show dogs where they were arrogant enough to think that this fucking thing would get a sequel, wherein Rue Paul's fucking hideous monster dog runs a team of secret agent dogs or some shit? Hey, man, there's two Beverly Hills Chihuahuas and this movie exists, so anything is possible. <laughs> well, it, it hemorrhaged buddy and was uh, fucking re-edited for sex crimes, so probably sayonara, Raja. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you enjoyed the podcast today, do us a big favor. Click on that link that's in the description. Head to our iTunes page. Give us a five-star written review. It really helps out a lot. Uh, shout out to anyone who's given us one recently. I know we've got a few, so... Uh, we appreciate the help. We appreciate the support. Please continue to do that. If you haven't given us a review yet, come on, man. It takes two seconds. Two seconds. You're doing the Lord's work. Come on and do it. Uh, other than that, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, or hey, if you want to hop on an episode as a guest, why not? Uh, <laughs> optimismvaccine at gmail.com. We need an impartial third party to judge these things, apparently. Uh, you could also tweet at us at optimismvaccine. And uh, yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. Now, normally, we would try to preview what we're going to try and watch for the next episode, but because of the nefarious Jeff Bezos and his uh, constant attack on our show, because he's out to get us, let's let's face it, he knows how we feel about him. Uh, these movies keep disappearing. You know, we built we built lists of twenty five films, whittled down to almost nothing. I got a proposal for this. Steve. Scrapping and scraping. Yes. I propose that perhaps when we settle on something in our close to record, we we're perhaps we'll post our choices on Twitter a few days ahead of time for those who uh, might be interested to watch along. That might be a better idea. Because we'll this, yeah, if we're not recording these in rapid succession, then Amazon is has gotten pretty uh, aggressive in deletion of of these bad films. Unfortunately, yeah. Oh, we'll do our best. All right, well, uh, Myros, thank you again, even though you're totally wrong. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. So we'll see you next time.